How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Go to cnbcmakeit.com slash courses to register now and learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course where experts share their secrets for a dynamic resume, coming across with confidence, what to wear, and more. For a limited time, save 50% with our introductory offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. It is Friday, and that can only mean one thing. It is time for Options Action. I am Brian Sullivan, in for Melissa Lee. Here's what's ahead. Earnings season begins next week with venerable institutions that could foretell the fate of our economy. But they're not the banks you may be thinking of. Carter Worth explains. Then, with the summer travel season officially underway, but a COVID variant gaining steam, Tony Zhang is assessing the best of the airline industry. Plus, hold your hedges. Professor Ko explains why you should keep your hedges on. But perhaps more importantly, how not to get caught up in an over-leveraged thorn bush. It's time to risk less and make more. Options Action starts right now. Well, good Friday evening or good Friday afternoon if you are scorching out west. And let's get right now to it on Options Action because some expect earnings this quarter to be red hot as well. And while we love to focus on all the big names here on CNBC, the names you know, Carter says there is one under-the-radar name that may be as good a tell as any and it is not a name you would normally think of. A chart map. Carter Worth explains. Carter. So let's get right to it. It's actually a huge name, interestingly, Fastenal, right? Almost $40 billion in market cap. Um, and the issue is it has a broad and wide reach, 3,500 uh, outlets or stores, if you will. And it, and it does business to uh, construction and to both retail, automotive, adhesive. It goes on and on. And the street hates it. Of the 16 analysts that cover it, only three have it as buys. The 16 analysts that cover it, before we look at the charts, their price target right now is lower looking out 12 months than where the stock is trading. That's called not liking. And yet, I think it's going to do well into earnings. Let's look at a couple charts. The first, just to put this in context, uh, is Fastenal versus Microsoft going back basically to the summer of 1997. Here we are, the summer of 2021. And you can see that this company has kept up with one of the greatest commercial enterprises in the history of the world, Microsoft, leg for leg. That's the S&P way down there on the bottom, just to put it in context. But to fasten all itself, the first chart. So here we have, uh, going back uh, quite some time, back to the 1980s, a steady orderly uptrend. Look at the second chart. It's very much in its channel. It's not that hot. It's not extended as stocks can get. And then the next chart is a two-panel, and this is important. The top panel is Fastenal, F-A-S-T, the ticker, and the bottom is relative performance to the XLI, the ETF that tracks the S&P 500 industrial sector. Now, you see that red line, and you see those green arrows. Every time the relative strength line has come down to that trend line, it has bounced to the penny, and the anticipation is here that it will happen again. Final two charts. The first is just a Fastenal chart over the past year. One way to draw the lines. We've broken out of the wedge, if you will. Last chart. 
We are approaching the former high. Does it or does it not break out? We think it does. Fasten along into earnings. All right, beautiful looking chart there. So uh, Winona, Minnesota's own Fastenal. So Mike how do we trade this? Do we trade this? Yeah, I, I, I think we do. And of, of course, when we're using options, we have ways to play uh, bullish thesis, a bearish thesis, a neutral thesis. And there are ways, of course, to use options going into earnings. And, you know, Carter obviously laid out a good case looking at the charts. I think it's important if we're going to consider fundamentals, which we should touch on very quickly here. Uh, as he alluded to, this is a company with a lot of stores. They sell a lot of products. I think they have over 10,000 SKUs, if you can believe it. A lot of the things that you might find in your garage are purchased there. And, of course, a lot of things that industrial production uses, as he alluded to, adhesives and fasteners, hoses and pipe fittings are the kinds of things that this company sells. And what is interesting is that this is a company that also registered decent, about 6% top-line revenue growth in full year 2020, despite all this. One of the reasons for that is because of the diversity of the products that they sell. Among the things that they sell, about 25% of their revenues last year was safety equipment. So, of course, obviously a lot of that saw an uptick, whether you're talking about gloves and facial masks and things like that. Now, why is this relevant? You might think, okay, well, does that potential tailwind during a period of economic weakness potentially turn into a headwind? Actually, the answer is no. And the reason is because as industrial production picks up, there are more conventional products, probably 30 plus percent in more conventional times, such as the fasteners business, actually has a higher margin. Let's just assume that's 30 percent of their business and that has about a 5 percent better margin. That translates to about 15 to 20 cents worth of EPS. Multiply that by their 30 times, 34 times multiple. And you can see that that alone is going to add maybe four and a half, five bucks to the share price. So how do we trade this going into earnings, taking advantage of the fact that, as we always point out, options tend to be slightly elevated going into a catalyst such as earnings. We look to sell those options. I was looking at the August 55 calls. Those were about a dollar. And using that to help finance the purchase of a much longer dated November 52 and a half call, that was about $3.50 when I was looking at it earlier today. So you're spending $2.50. Now you'll observe that that is exactly the difference between these two strikes. The idea here is that if you're targeting a longer term appreciation in the share price, we can sell that call. And then once that one expires in a little over 40 days, we can actually look to sell another call and basically make our bullish bet that way. And also, of course, bear in mind that the stock was well over 53 bucks when it closed today. So that 52 and a half strike, that three and a half dollars you're paying, some of that is intrinsic value. That's not all extrinsic premium uh, that you're laying out there. So I think this is a way that you can make a slightly more hedged bet going into earnings. Try to take advantage of the slightly elevated premium. And bear in mind that, you know, 34 times earnings might seem expensive. But of course, there are a lot of companies right now that are trading these kinds of multiples. But this is a company that has seen good and consistent top line growth, good and consistent bottom line EPS growth. And of course, if they see a more favorable product mix, that could enhance their margins. Yeah, kind of an under the radar name selling janitorial supplies, fasteners, catalogs, all kinds of stuff for the office. Doesn't get a lot of love, but maybe it should. Oh, by the way, speaking of love, of course, the biggest part of the American economy is not janitorial supplies. It is All of you out there, the consumer, spending your cash on stuff and food and travel. And travel is going to be huge this year. And so Tony is looking at one related name that rises above the rest, and it's 
It's all about love. Is it not, Tony? That's exactly right, Brian. I want to look at Southwest Airlines, ticker LUV, because this is an airline that actually has not been performing particularly well here over the past couple of months, and I think that is actually our opportunity here. If we first take a look at the chart of LUV relative to the JETS ETF, the Global Airlines ETF, you see that it's been underperforming pretty much since April. But if we zoom out a little further, we see that it's just touching its major bullish trend line here. So this is the opportunity that I see for a potential bounce on Southwest, Air Southwest Airlines to start outperforming the airline industry. And if we look at the chart of Southwest itself, back in February, it broke out above the $50 level traded all the way up to about 58 or so and pulled back now to the $50 level to the penny yesterday and bounced off of it. And this is really where the risk reward, in my opinion, favors to the long side at the moment. And if you look at the business itself, it is the only one of the major airlines right now that's adding capacity in the second half versus the other three legacy carriers are slashing capacity because of labor constraints. So for those reasons, this is a stock that I like a lot going into earnings that, and they report in about two weeks here or so. So the trade structure that I wanna use reflects the fact that because earnings is coming up here in less than two weeks, the implied volatility for these options are a bit on the expensive side. So I'm using two, uh, so I'm going out to the July 30th weekly options, September 52 and a half, 56 call diagonal here, where I'm spending about $3 to purchase the September 52 and a half calls, and I'm selling the June, uh, the July 30th uh, six, uh, 56 calls against that for about 60 cents. So net net here, I'm paying $2.40 for this call diagonal. So I'm risking here about 4.5% of the underlying stock's value to place a longer term bet that Southwest Airlines will perform well on earnings and well into the second the second half of this year. Mike, what do you think? I mean, you look at that trade there, uh, you know, you look at some of the profit and loss skews. Is this a trade that, that you would advise doing on a sector that's, that's already been really traded out? I mean, it's been red hot for about nine months. Yeah, so, I mean, first of all, obviously, in defense of the trade structure, it's not that dissimilar to the one that I'm recommending on Fastenal going into earnings. Yeah. So uh, I obviously like this kind of a structure in these, in these types of events. But, you know, interestingly, given the fact that we've, we've talked a lot about the airlines, you know, one of the things that some of the other major carriers, I'm talking now about United, Delta, American, these are companies that have depended very heavily on those people sitting in the front of the bus. We're talking about business travel. Love is obviously far less dependent on that. And I actually have witnessed that we're getting considerable rebounds in you know, regular consumers, travel-oriented, airline travel. But what we are not seeing as much of a complete rebound in is business travel. And the reasons, of course, are basically changes in the way we do business. So there's a reason why Southwest would be adding capacity when some of the others are not. There's a reason why you might favor this airline over the others. They also have arguably the strongest balance sheet in the industry. So when you combine all of those factors, despite this, and it's not trading at all-time highs, as many things are, I think that's an important point to make. It has rebounded, but it's not at all-time highs. So, you know, taking a look at it, 10 times earnings, you know, I rather like Southwest, certainly amongst the other players. Yeah, some of the airlines have come off that, that peak of just a couple of months ago. Carter Worth, what do you think? They're very similar to Mike's point, very similar to the Facetal trade. Well, that's right. And in terms of the, the sell-off itself, and Tony highlighted this, it's where, and you can see the line drawn in his chart, it's where uh, today's pivot, a hard pivot, occurred. Also, 
I would point out, so it's high of 65 down to yesterday's low of 50. 50 is the day and the high when it gapped up on vaccine day. So if you think back to November 9th, when airlines had the biggest one-day move in many, many years, because obviously vaccine means open up the airplanes, it stopped right there to the penny. That's an important juncture. I think you get a good bounce here. All right, good call there on love and fast. Well, for everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, if you want, sign up for the newsletter. But don't do it right now. Wait till the show's over. We've got 20 minutes left. Here's what's coming up next. Coming up, keeping your hedges manicured without getting pricked by over-leveraged thorns. Come for a walk through the meditation labyrinth with Professor Coe. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course. Get the limited-time offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses. All right, welcome back to Options Action. Hope everybody's having a great Friday. Well, last week, really before sort of the big market gyrations, we talked about effective hedging methods, how to protect your assets. And while we had a big day up today, if the volatility, especially on the downside, is not over like some predict, our traders suggest you still keep on those or similar hedges on. But now we've been noticing an increase in the use of options on levered ETFs. However, there's a reason why Carter and Mike Coe kept it simple, and you probably should too. Mike Coe, let's talk about the hedging methods that aren't just going to scramble somebody's brain at this point. Yeah, so, you know, we've seen a big uptick recently in interest in some of these levered ETFs. And there are some good reasons for that, to use those things as trading instruments. Some people don't actually trade options, and by using levered ETFs, you can sometimes get basically a form of optionality. Take a look, for example, at a chart of the volumes and options on SQQQ. That is a levered inverse ETF on the QQQs. And what you'll see is that over recent years, we've seen a huge upsurge in options volumes. Compare that to obviously we've seen some big options volumes in conventional ETFs as well, but not the same kind of growth over that same period of time. So one of the important things that I would point out when we consider things like this is that when people start using the levered ETFs, looking for leverage, obviously, more gearing, and then they think, oh, well, maybe I can add even more by trading options. The fact is, though, that options on levered ETFs are considerably more expensive. And in fact, there's no free lunch. There's no way, essentially, to get extra leverage without really paying for it. By way of example, I would encourage people to take a look, for example, at, say, the August 9 calls in the SQQQ. That would be a way to make a bearish bet because the SQQQ is an inverse levered short. And those were costing well, a little over 6%. You could also buy puts on the QQQ, for example, that are a comparable amount out of the money, and they were about one-third the cost. So the point that I'm making here is that it often makes sense to, to try to keep it simple. You have direct correlation to the Qs because you own the constituent stocks. You're not going to get free leverage by buying options 
on those inverse or levered ETFs. So oftentimes, I think it makes sense just to keep it very simple. We recommended a QQQ put spread. I think put spreads make a lot of sense because the skew is still steep. Of course, you could always just buy outrights as well. But I do think, uh, based on the volatility we saw this week and some of the things we pointed out last week, that it still makes sense to be hedged here. Obviously, the market has had a tremendous run. All right. So, Carter, two things. I mean, your comments on on Mike's strategy there, but also maybe your quick comments on things like inverse levered ETFs. I mean, should they exist in the first place? Listen, Wall Street is is famous for one thing, providing product, right? It's so if they're allowed to exist until they're not, they do. Uh, it, it's how sort of the, the game is played. Um, but more importantly, we know that it was a, it was a poor week until the stick save on Friday, right? And in the end, the S&P was only up 40 base points. And without today's sort of monster move, that's the point of hedging. At one point, obviously, in the past 48 hours, we were down 3%. And uh, uh, taking protection is important. But first, uh, let's look at a circumstance that's fairly rare. Uh, Here's a chart of the NASDAQ 100. We've now gone up eight consecutive weeks in a row. Now, is that a record? No, but it's exceedingly rare. Take a look at this table just to put this in context. If you look at the history of the index going back to 1985, how many rolling eight-week periods are there? Well, there are 1,894. And how many times have you gone up um, eight weeks in a row? 13. This is the 14th. 14 times out of... um, uh, So the question is, uh, what happens? And actually, it's fairly muted returns looking out one, two, three weeks. It's a good time to hedge. I think you just gave me about 18 RBIs for the morning show Worldwide Exchange. I mean, how many eight-week periods are there, Tony? 1,894. I hope I don't get that question later on tonight. All right, Tony, speaking of questions, I understand you get questions on this kind of stuff all the time. How do you answer? Yeah, that's exactly right. We see a lot of interest in these leveraged and inverse ETFs. And while, as Michael said, for a trader who's looking for intraday moves and looking for a different either leverage or short exposure on on an underlying instrument without having to utilize options, these are great products for that. But as Mike said, these are not free leverage because there's two things that I think investors need to understand when they're trading any type of inverse or leverage ETFs. The first one is the fact that the exposure that you're receiving is only meant to give you that type of exposure over a single trading day. So if you're trading a triple leverage ETF, if the index is up 1%, you'll see a 3% return on that ETF that single trading day. But if you hold it for longer than one trading day, the cost of that leverage will be embedded into the daily NAV. So you're going to start to see a drift over a period of time. So if you hold these for a long period of time, don't expect to see the same type of 3x leverage as you do with the underlying index. The second thing you have to remember is the fact that these ETFs trade a substantially smaller amount of volume than the QQQs or the SPYs, which simply means that when you're trading options on them, the bid-ask spreads are significantly larger. So even if you are trading an equivalent put hedge on one of these leverage ETFs, you're likely going to pay a larger transaction cost to get in and out of those trades. So for those reasons, that's why, as Mike said, you're better off trading the actual ETFs themselves, trading three times as many if you want that kind type of leverage, because you're going to see lower transaction costs, even if the two trades are equal in nature. 
really good real world advice. I mean, I feel like you guys should charge for this kind of stuff. It's like a master class, but it's here it is free on Options Action. Guys, great stuff. All right, we are not done yet. And up next, we are answering some of your tweets after a roller coaster week on Wall Street. Options Action, back in two minutes, right after this. And welcome back to Options Action, everybody. It is time now to take some of your tweets. And our first viewer asks a question on Netflix. Reporting results on July 20th and has a similar looking chart to Amazon, which just broke out. A bullish Netflix bet outlined in the show last quarter did not work. Brutal honesty. Do we go back to the Netflix well one more time in the long side? And if so, Carter, what's the trade, please? Good manners. Sure, that's... That's exactly right. Meaning, if you have a certain setup, one can try to say this one will or this one won't work, or play the setup, and then we know that it's not always going to break your way. But we know that Adobe broke out. We know that NVIDIA broke out. We know that Facebook broke out. Apple is about to do it, Amazon. And so Netflix, presumptively, will break out. The implied move is about 7%. It closed at 535. You can buy at-the-money calls for the end of July at 20, the 535s. I would buy those. All right. Our next viewer question asks this. What strategy would you use short term to protect profits made on an Apple September 17th $145 call mic bought for two bucks and 13 cents? Well, one way to do it is obviously to spread. You can sell some nearer dated out-of-the-money calls, preferably ones that capture earnings and are therefore slightly elevated in price, maybe the 150s or 55s. All right, wrap it up there. And thanks, as always, by the way, for your tweets and your questions. Up next, your final call of the week. All right, time now for the final call. Let's do a Devo and whip it. Kick, kick it off, Carter. Buy fast and all. One word, love. Keep your cue put spreads on. Love it. That was fast, guys. Thank you for making it easy on me. Thanks for watching, everybody. Mad Money starts right now. Have a great weekend. How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Go to cnbcmakeit.com slash courses to register now and learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course where experts share their secrets for a dynamic resume, coming across with confidence, what to wear, and more. For a limited time, save 50% with our introductory offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses.